Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started today. Support also comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. The other really interesting thing, Matthew, that that uh, Tracy and I have in common is that Tracy was one was one of the first students in a. Uh, Udall Foundation program in Washington, D.C. for Native students. And my daughter did that same program five years ago. So, cool. Do the same yeah. program. They still have a So, Debbie team. made me feel old. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I am old. So, I am so old. my daughter but, uh, just went through that. <laughs> right. Right. So, this, I think it was this fall or maybe it was this summer, they said, hey. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 479. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're continuing in a series of episodes that'll take us to the end of the year, and we'll draw near a number of blogs, podcasts, and online outlets that have inspired a number of the guests on the show this past year. Earlier in the week, I shared an episode featuring books recommended by two of the co-founders of The Brown Bookshelf, Paula Chase Hyman and Kelly Starling Lyons. Today, I'm joined by children's literature scholar, Dr. Debbie Reese of American Indians and Children's Literature, and Tracy Sorrell, author of We Are Grateful, Ojali Haliga, and regular contributor to Cynthia Lydic-Smith's Sensations blog. I asked Debbie and Tracy if they'd like to join me to share those don't-miss titles they've been recommending to friends, colleagues, and readers of all ages. You're going to love watching your TBR pile grow with these fantastic titles. Please welcome my guests, Dr. Debbie Reese and Tracy Sorrell. All right, I'm Debbie Reese. I have a PhD in education. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And um, in 2006, I started a blog called American Indians in Children's Literature. And that, I think, is what brought me and Matthew together. My name is Tracy Sorrell. Or actually, that's my pen name. And I, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am a citizen of the Cherokee Nation, and I live within the Cherokee Nation. 
I um, am a children's book author. I write fiction, nonfiction, poems, and uh, primarily in picture books, short stories, middle grade right now. Uh, we'll see if I get to YA at some point. <laughs> um, but I uh, also cover Native American uh, creators and Native American news kind of in general for uh, Cynthia Lydic Smith Sensations blog. And because I have predominantly uh, written picture books, I also will feature uh, picture book artists and uh, authors. Well, I'm grateful to say that each of you has been on the show before, that I'm grateful that I've had the chance to learn with you in conversation, in addition to all the learning that I feel like um, that I've, I've, I've been uh, really blessed to come by, by knowing you on Twitter, by knowing you on social media. Um, but I also invited you onto the show tonight because you each are have been influential in some of the guests I've had on the show and those that I continue to reach out to. So I uh, can't wait to be talking about some of your favorite books of the year by Native authors and illustrators. Something that I feel like I've been really blessed just to see our email thread because you both have been abuzz with all of these great books. Has it been a good year for uh, Native authors and illustrators, would you say? Yes, I think it has been. I it's a, I think it I hope it's not going to be just a blip, no, but no, it no, no. certainly <laughs> is a it certainly is a peak from previous years. The number of books that we have out this year by native writers, it's wonderful. Tracy, you're one of those native writers and that book that you wrote, I feel like all of us are talking about your beautiful book. We are grateful Ojali Haliga. In fact, I should tell you because I'm think this is totally fine to share in front of the audience. Um, your publicist at Charles Ridge Mel and I are really good friends. And um, we both mention your book by name constantly because it just, it just affected us in that way. So thank you that that book came into my universe as well. Oh, Wado, I appreciate that, Matthew. I, um, I, I would agree with Debbie. It has been a wonderful year. I don't have the longevity in the field that she does to kind of see the trends, but as someone who just loves to read children's literature and always has, um, I'm never going to be, you know, sad if we've got more to choose from, right. And that there are more stories being told. And so I'm, I'm really excited that there are so many. And what I would love is for us to get to a point where, you know, we've got, um, a lot of representation across the various genres as well as age groups. And, you know, we don't have that uh, right now, but we're going to, you know, share some, some books that folks need to, to check out. And there are other books that we, you know, can't possibly uh, talk about everything in detail, but um, there, there are some ones this year that I was like, wow, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, they're out in the world and I'm, extremely grateful for the reception that we are grateful Ojali Haliga has received because um, as you and I talked about on the earlier podcast, you know, that is a book that really came from a lot of people. And um, I mean, there's a community of people that, that worked to put that book together before uh, it 
went to the publisher, uh, the folks on the publishing side, and then certainly um, in reviewing the artwork and all the things that came afterwards. And so I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that uh, there, there are many Cherokee people who uh, are invested, you know, and have put a lot of um, prayers and thought and um, critique and sharing into that book. And I'm, I'm just truly grateful for that. Debbie, I know that I'm not putting you on the spot to say that I know that you also are a fan of Tracy's book, of her work, I should say, larger than just this this uh, first book. But do you want to share any words about We Are Grateful, Ojali Haliga? Just that I'm that one of one of my favorite pair of earrings is one that Tracy <laughs> gave to me that her mom made that um, and and. Uh, I met Tracy at Returning the Gifts last year. It's a Native Writers Gathering. And um, it was great to meet her after talking about her book and about what she was trying to do in children's literature. It was it was wonderful to have this gathering of, of, of Native writers, and including some that we're going to talk about this evening, um, the works that they did. Now, Tracy, Tracy introduced herself as a citizen of the Cherokee Nation, and she talked about how it will be great when we have a period that we have lots of books in all the categories. And tonight, I think we have some books in some of the categories. Um, and these categories can be so enriched by being able to speak the name of the person's nation and perhaps their status in that nation. So like I say about myself that I'm tribally enrolled member of Nambe Pueblo, I speak about my existence as a native person in a very different way than Tracy does. Um, just that little bit right there gets at the diversity that there is within native um, nations across the country. Uh, we're not a monolith, and that's what the books that we're that Tracy's interested in and that I'm interested in are all about. Uh, um, so anyway, Tracy's book, yes, terrific <laughs> book. It just, it, it, I, I have a, 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 I love to do blog posts about books when I can, when I can point to the fact that that person is embraced by their community yeah. and is in the community. And uh, I was writing about her book when she was going to be at the Cherokee Nations Festival, when they were uh, going to be having a special period set aside for Tracy to talk about her book. So that was wonderful. I have what? to. So oh. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I because love, you have yeah. a, well, you have a book that comes out in the world. And then the fact that the first place, you know, before it's officially released to the broader public, you know, your publisher, you know, moves up the publication date because it wasn't supposed to be out till September 17th. They moved the publication date up two weeks so that we could get the books to um, the Cherokee Nation for our national holiday. And so I was able to, you know, have it for Cherokee people first and to have story times at the Cherokee Heritage Center and share it with children and families and adults. I mean, there's nothing better than that, right? You just, like, that's what, to me, made it, you know. And then, of course, to be able to do school visits this fall, within the Cherokee Nation. And and it's not that I don't want to share it with everyone, but there is something to be said for sharing the book with children. And they're sitting there saying, yeah, and this is the Cherokee word for, you know, 
the turtle or the chicken wire, all these different things they're sharing with me. Or, yeah, we get crawdads, you know, I played stickball. Just those kind of things that that's not going to happen in every school visit. You know, for a lot of kids that are read the book, this is new stuff to them. They don't know contemporary Cherokee life. But for so many of those kids, you know, they got to see themselves in the book. And that, wow, you know, I loved it. <laughs> well, you know, that, that, gets at, that gets at exactly what we're shooting for with, with Native literature. Because it, 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 what Tracy is talking about is that for the Cher- kids of the Cherokee Nation, it's a mirror of their own experience. Mm. This, I'm getting at, of course, Rudine Sims Bishop's metaphor that books can be windows and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And, and for kids who are not Cherokee, it's a window onto charity culture. So trying to get books with that provide mirrors for many kids who are native um, and that can be windows for non-native kids is the goal. Yeah. Well, we are continuing work toward that goal. I hope that, that um, many, many librarians and teachers will, will take these great books that you brought with you with us to share tonight uh, into to heart, to consideration for their library, for purchasing, for sharing these stories. But I, I think we should just jump right in because I know this list and I, there were so many books on this list that I, I can't wait just to hear you book talk it to me. The greatest thing is hearing people talk about books that they love. So Debbie, would you like to start us off with a title? Yeah, I'll start with Kiss by Kiss. Oopsie to Win by Richard Van Camp. It's a counting book and it's published in Canada. And I do want to say as a starting point that there's a lot of books published in Canada by Native writers and that I would like to see that happen in greater numbers in the U.S. One reason it happens a lot in Canada is that the Canadian government subsidizes small presses up there. So there's money and Native people in Canada are running with it and producing wonderful books. So Kiss by Kiss is one of those books. Um, I think we've talked, before we came on here, we talked about our children. Yeah. And we love our children. And Kiss by Kiss is the kind of book that you just want to use with your little ones over and over. Because it starts out with one kiss, two kiss, three kiss, four. And has that pattern. Um, The words on each page are also available in Cree, Plains Cree. Um, but then when you get to the 10 kiss page, there's, there's the photos are beautiful. There's this one photo of a kid with his lips in the perfect smooch position. <laughs> and the big word on that page is smooch. So we shift from the counting to your kisses are so sweet. Your kisses are so much fun. Your kisses are as welcome as the light from the sun. Um, so it's a rollicking and loving story, um, a counting story. Kind of like when um, we're with little kids and our own kids and we're kissing our kids and it's a lot of fun and and, the, and a little kid will say, can we do that again? And we get to the end of that book and it says, please, can we start again at kiss number one? <laughs> Delightful. I love this book. I have read this book to Julia, to my daughter, over and over because who doesn't love that intimacy of the kisses and the photos in that book are just... They're so wonderful. I mean, I love everything that Richard does, everything I've read from him. Um, and this is just that closeness of of parent and child or of of loved one and child that's so important. Yeah, that's part of what I like about that book is the diversity of family that's yeah. in those pictures. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. 
Um, so Tracy, I guess we'll turn to you. Can you top kisses? No, this isn't about topping. Sorry. But no, <laughs> what I cannot. would you like to share? <laughs> I do not have a board book, but you two talking about this one. I don't have this one yet. I'm sorry, Richard, if you're listening, I am getting it though, <laughs> because it sounds absolutely delightful. So, um, but I'm getting, I know a gift card for, uh, Christmas. So I know where that's going, but, um, I will start with, um, a couple of picture books that I really uh, liked. And I have three of them, but I'll start with um, two biographies. I love biographies. I was that kid that if there was like some kind of a reading contest, I was always like, okay, let me go read a bunch of bios because I'm, oh. I've just always been curious about people. And we would always in our library had these series that not super thick biographies, you know, and so I could read about all these different people. Now, of course, I never read about any, you know, native people um, that were contemporary, like these ones that I'm going to share. But um, I was so excited this year. So the first one that came out in the spring was Chester Nez and the Unbreakable Code, a Navajo Code Talker story. And that's by Joseph Bruchek and illustrated by Liz Amini Holmes, uh, published by Albert Whitman. And this one... Um, what I loved about it is that, you know, again, to connect with, you know, younger readers and kids, Joe talks about Chester's early life. And of course, his name is not Chester, right? I mean, his name, he has a Diné name and that's Batoli. But then at the age of, um, I don't know if it's eight or nine, he has to go to boarding school. And so he's given this English name. He can't speak his Diné language. And um, he's just in a very, you know, difficult environment, but he does get to go home during the summers. And so he stays connected to his language and culture. And again, as Debbie was talking about, you know, there's not a monolithic experience in terms of Native people's experience in boarding schools. You know, some boarding schools are run by um, religious orders or uh, churches some are run by the federal government. You know, it's, it's, there's a variety of things that are, that are happening. And of course the residential schools in Canada are not uh, with the same history necessarily as ours here, but, you know, regardless, um, it, you know, he, he really probes kind of that and sets up that early life. And then he talks about him joining the service, you know, World War II uh, comes to the, the U S shores, of course, of Pearl Harbor and he joins the service as a team and then he becomes a code talker. And I love also how Joe talked about the impact of the war on Chester's life. So, I mean, again, he's like this older teen. He goes into the service and I have seen this in other books by native authors talking about, you know, in adult novels, um, talking about the impact of war on a native person and going back home and, having to try to reintegrate themselves into the community with all of this awfulness that they bring with, you know, home with them from being in this war zone. But I hadn't seen a picture book that addressed that. And so I thought it was pretty, you know, amazing that he also then goes into like kind of what's that cost of war and what does the family do to help, you know, Chester or, you know, Batoli come back into the family. And there's, there's a ceremony that's done. And so, you know, I feel like it gives kid the, kids this early um, introduction into, you know, here is some parts of history that <clears throat> you're definitely not going to hear about in your textbooks. 
in terms of the uh, boarding schools. A lot of times in a lot of these classes, like some classes don't even get to World War II, right? Mm -hmm. Or Vietnam, which just frightens me, you know, in terms of like studying history in any real detail. And so this is a nice, to me, compact, easy way of covering a couple of different things. You know, I mean, like I say, the boarding schools, also Native's presence, you know, within World War II, because we had a lot of people that served. It wasn't certainly just Navajos. Um, but, you know, what what's the impact of all these things? The other one that I loved uh, is another biography called Unstoppable, How Jim Thorpe and the Carlisle Indian School Defeated Army by Art Colson, who's a fellow Cherokee citizen. That was illustrated by Nick Hardcastle, and it's uh, for Capstone, and that came out in August. This one, you know, again, uh, they do a great job of kind of talking about the childhood. So you get the childhood of Jim Thorpe, who, you know, if people don't know, you know, they'll learn he's a well-known, very decorated athlete from the um, Sac and Fox Nation, which was located within um, Indian Territory at that time. And he is miserable in boarding school. I mean, this is this is very well known. And he runs away numerous times. You know, he loses his mother uh, in childhood. And his dad uh, finally sends him, you know, to Carlisle Industrial School in Pennsylvania. So the story talks about how, you know, he goes from the track to being on the football team. And so the big, you know, thing of the book, of course, is that, you know, this football team that's made up of these kids from all these different reservations who are sent to somewhere that the tribes that traditionally occupied Pennsylvania, all these nations have been moved West, right? They're in other lands now. And so they're, they're sent to this industrial school to basically learn to be, you know, farm hands or some other type of um, labor. And the women or girls, I should say, largely learning to be domestic women in, in houses and things. And he goes, he gets on the football team, Pop Warner, you know, of um, kind of football fame there, is the the coach of the team. They end up beating Army. They've played, you know, a bunch of other colleges, too. And, you know, kids will learn that former uh, future president Dwight D. Eisenhower is on that team. So they beat them in 1912. But one of the real gems for me <clears throat> in this, after they talk about, you know, kind of his childhood, and like I say, then beating this team, which, you know, is, is wonderful because here are basically these Indian high schoolers, right? <laughs> you know, for the most part at this school, and, and some of them are a little older, but beating, you know, this team that obviously has much more money and resources and everything um, because they're playing the game, you know, really smart is then art puts all this great stuff in the back matter. So, I mean, you get, you know, the details of, of Jim that people will know about, you know, winning his Olympic gold medals, and then he's stripped of them unfairly and they're returned. But I love that he included all this information about his teammates. Oh. I did not know, you know, I mean, you always hear about Jim, right? But who are these other people on the team? So he lists all their tribes. Some of them go on to be pro football players, or they play um, other sports. Some go on to serve in uh, the war. Others are leaders or their attorneys, whatever. And I just think that's wonderful for kids to see that, um, you know, they, they have, you know, who are these other people that were around him? You know, because he's, he's the, you know, the person that people focus on. But there's all these other students that were there, too, you know, that were part of the team. I mean, it's a team sport, right? It's not an individual sport. And uh, so I love that because I'm, 
a nerd that way. I love back matter. <laughs> I'm always like, who, what, you know, what, what can I learn here? And, well, and that was just this unexpected, really wonderful thing. So bringing mm. in the team is, uh, yeah. I mean, it, that, it is a team sport. That makes sense. Just mm-hmm. like, I don't even know why I wasn't even connecting that as much as, as a librarian, I'm trying to connect with what they're teaching in the curriculum for you to call it out about um, Chester Nez and say, you know, we don't always cover this in history. So the importance of being able to fill in so students can have that exposure to mm-hmm. the other parts of history. Um, it, it's so good to be able to call that out and to make sure that we're being mindful of mm-hmm. when we're purchasing, not just to, you know, match the curriculum, but also to find the hole, find the gaps. Right. And, and sometimes maybe you don't have a lot of time to do a whole unit on something. Well, you can easily pull a picture book out. You know, I mean, I know, you know, people talk about how when they talk about the Civil War, they'll start with like Pink and Say by uh, Patricia Polacco. Yeah. You know, they'll pull that out and they, well, it's like, hey, you can pull this out, you know, yeah. and, you know, and talk about it. I mean, it gives you a whole different way of, of relating to that. And again, it's not something that's relegated to one month a year, you know, there's just, there's a lot, I think that can be done there. So, um, nice. Thanks for sharing those yeah. with us. Mm-hmm. We're kind yeah. of going up in age. Debbie, do you have things that are around the, the same like picture book age that you want to share? Yes, Matthew, I do have picture books. I have my list set up to go that way. So I'm going to start with Oasis and the world famous Bannock. This is a picture book by Dallas Hunt. I just saw um, this on your blog. Oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's um, of the Swan River First Nation. We're talking about Canada. Illustrated by Amanda Strong, who is my Published by Highwater Press. And it opens kind of like a little Red Riding Hood story. Um, people I've seen talk about it that way. For me, it's not a little Red Riding Hood story. It's a Native story. Um, we have this little girl visiting her grandmother. Her, her name is Oasis. And her grandma makes the most world famous bannock. And so she shares that and she's put some in a basket and Oasis has to take it off and deliver it to a relative. But you know, it's a walk through the forest and Oasis gets carried away. She's skipping and jumping on rocks and swinging that basket. And before you know it, that bannock's in the river. Um, And so she's crying. What's she going to do now? And then here we have the illustration of her sitting with the tears and um, Sipsis walks by. Well, Sipsis is a duck, um, and the word is actually a Cree word. So this is a bilingual book that has Cree in it and um, um, in English. So Sisip waddles by, and we see a duck there. So we know very naturally that, that the word that we're looking at, Sisip, means duck. Sisip waddles by and asks what's wrong. It's clear Sisip is a duck. Um, and and can tell that the little girl is crying, and Sisip is going to help. Sisip has butter, so um, the story goes on like that with um, Awasis meeting a new animal on every page who has an ingredient that she's going to need to make some more bannock when she gets back to her grandma's house. Um, but the so I was enjoying this story, and then I got to the page with oho, which is owl, um, and the pronoun they was right there. It just it just stopped me. I sat, I was reading on the couch, and then I got to that page, and I sat right up and said, wait a second, 
this is the first time that I remember a gender-neutral pronoun. So I I paused for a minute, and I flipped back to the other parts in the book, and sure enough, it was the only page that that was on there, Um, but it was there, very beautifully done, and I I was very excited about that. Um, So eventually, Oasis gets everything she needs. She goes back to her grandmother's house, Um, but they're missing one ingredient, and then there's a knock at the door, and it's um, Masqua, which is bear, and Masqua has that last ingredient. So they're going to make this, they're going to go ahead and make some more bannock. But when I read, went back and read it a second time, I saw that on many of the pages, Bear is kind of there in the background watching. So he's kind of keeping track of what she has and what she doesn't have, what she's going to need. Um, wonderful. You know, it's that kind of story that has little bits in it that you see a second time or a third time. So you got to get this one for sure. I love that. Yeah, I, I remember watching the... It must have been a book trailer or a pronunciation guide. There was something, a video that went with it that I thought was just great. It really it really sold me on the story. I can't wait to see more. But it had a lot of the interior art in this video. Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah, I have a link to the video on my review of the book. There. Yeah. It was you. I, no wonder. <laughs> I saw it from your page. <laughs> the second picture book I have is Bow Wow Pow Wow by oh, Brenda Child yes. and Jonathan Thunder. She wrote it. She's from uh, Red Lake Ojibwe, and Jonathan Thunder is also Red Lake Ojibwe, and it's translated into Ojibwe by Gordon Jourdain, published by Minnesota Historical Press. It's a bilingual story. Um, the other two I've talked about have some native words in them, but this one has every part of the story available in Ojibwe as well. So it's an English and Ojibwe picture book about a little girl. Um, her name is Windy Girl, and her dog's name is Itchy Boy. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, her uncle is a key figure in the story, and he tells her stories about their traditions, their nation's history, um, uh, whenever they're hanging out together. And in this part of the book, they're on their way to a powwow, and he's telling her about a dance that they used to do um, that, that anthropologists, outsiders to their um, people, would call a begging dance. So we have here within the story that's being told to the little girl a pushback on outsiders misrepresenting Native ways of being. So this begging dance, quote-unquote, a begging dance that Anthros were talking about was actually a dance in which um, the Native people would go from one house to the other and they're given gifts of food. It's a sharing of abundance, way different than begging. Mm. Um, And so I like that very much. And we do that too as Pueblo people. We do a certain kind of dance and at a certain part of that dance, we share things from harvest. Um, and the way that we share is by a gentle toss to people standing nearby us. Um, Anthros misrepresented that and a children's book author misrepresented that. They presented this sharing as a food fight. Um, so, uh, I really like that within the story that Bread the Child tells, she's pushing back on misrepresentation that outsiders do to Native stories all the time. Um, anyway, they get to the powwow. Windy Girl falls asleep and she starts dreaming and the characters in her dream are all dogs who are the powwow dancers. So she pulls a lot of things together in, in the dream. The art's terrific. The story's great. And I hope everybody will pick up a copy. I think this was another one that I saw on your blog, and then they had it on the new shelf in my library, and the art was so cool. I really, I mean, how vibrant the 
greens in particular. I remember just the greens jumping off the page in that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, I love the art in there too, and that was definitely one that I enjoyed. Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from the Highlights Foundation, hosting intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. Thinking about writing for children? Or have you always wanted to write a children's book but aren't quite sure how it works? Join us March 21st to 24th, 2019 for Everything You Need to Know About Children's Publishing, a Crash Course, and learn everything there is to know about the children's publishing world, including how the publishing process works, how to know when you're ready to submit a manuscript, how to find which publishers to submit to, how contracts work, the editorial and marketing process, and a whole lot more. And you'll hear from a number of people in the industry who can help to understand the process. Faculty includes Harold Underdown, Leah Henderson, Rachel Werner, Allison Green Myers, Lindsay Barrett-George, and me. Yep, I'll be there too. Registration is now open. Visit highlightsfoundation.org. And from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. And I would say for uh, a picture book that really captured me, in terms of the art, I would say First Laugh, Welcome Baby um, by Roseanne Tahe and Nancy Beauflood, illustrated by Jonathan Nelson, who is also Danae or Navajo like Roseanne. It, um, it's a book about when uh, a baby's born and who is Navajo or Danae, the, you know, when the baby has its first laugh, there's a ceremony that's done because um, the child is, is being welcomed into the community and whoever makes the baby laugh has to host, uh, that celebration. And so I'm familiar with this having, um, Navajo friends and lived in New Mexico. Uh, one of my girlfriends, her daughter was born a month after my son. And so we had many discussions about when, you know, her daughter was gonna, gonna laugh and who was going to make the baby laugh. But what I love about this book is, uh, Jonathan has, you know, this contemporary Navajo family. Uh, and that was the first thing that drew me to it was the artwork because they're, you know, they have their, their baby, they're living in the city. And I thought about, you know, my Navajo friends that I met, uh, I lived down in California who were, had been in LA and San Francisco. And so here they are living in this apartment in the city. And, um, like I say, the baby's born, relatives come to visit, And then it shows them back, um, you know, on the Navajo reservation, visiting family. And again, it's contemporary life there on the reservation. I just absolutely love the artwork with this. I also love that in the back matter, um, they have celebrations that are done either welcoming, welcoming child children into the community, like things that are around the world or, that are some something that's happened, you know, something that a ceremony that happens uh, with children, like in their childhood type of thing. 
And so I thought, I think that's a wonderful thing for librarians and teachers, you know, to share, but I just appreciated uh, his art because he was not known to me until he won uh, the American Indian Library Association's middle grade, or I mean, uh, graphic novel uh, middle grade thing for uh, the Willow Jonesy. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, uh, I, I love this. And then when I saw he did the artwork for for this one, I was like, oh, my gosh, what else has he got? Well, he's got another book coming out from Charles Bridge next summer. It's not native focused. It's called Hey Dog. Um, but I've seen the cover and like a couple of the internal spreads. And I was like, oh, man, I love this. So I just really enjoy his artwork. Um, I mean, the the story started as a poem that Roseanne and Nancy had written a long time ago before Roseanne got uh, ill and um, passed. But the book, um, like I say, just to show this Navajo family in a contemporary setting and, and just the involvement of, you know, various relatives with the child. I mean, that is just so, I don't know, if, I won't say it's so typical, but it is, you know, of our, of our Native communities. I mean, when, when a child is born and, and the celebration that goes on, and I, I, just, I just love that it's, it's in a contemporary setting, so... Um, I really enjoyed that. Tracy, I loved about that art, noticing that while all of the different family members were sort of going about their life in this contemporary setting, I also noticed the, almost the, the, the tension of everyone leaning in, waiting. Is this the moment when baby's going to let, is this it? Are we here? Right. No, we're not here. And the way that, he, Am I going to get to be the one? You know, right, the like, way that, no, not you. <laughs> the way that everyone is just um, positioned yeah. on in all of the art, it's all just framed. If you watch, you can see the lines, the like the sight lines going toward the mm-hmm. child. It just makes your eyes follow their expression to the babies. It's so smart. Yeah. The way that, yeah. that he was able to to direct us in that art that way. I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrote I about that one today on my blog. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Debbie, you I really have... seem to be on top of all of these books we're talking about tonight. <laughs> I, have, I have some, I, I really do like Jonathan's art. And uh, I saw, remember, Tracy, did you remember seeing um, Jonesy in 3D there at Returning the Gift at the yes. realities table? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I have a photo. Like, that's when I, you know, was like, oh my gosh, I need to know more about this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't realize he was doing a picture book until I went to Charles Bridge uh, in April and uh, to meet, you know, folks there. And they said, hey, do you want to see uh, Jonathan's artwork for First Laugh, Welcome Baby? I was like, what are you talking about? Hmm. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, and I just and so, you know, it was just the pictures. Right. And uh, um and then, you know, I saw how they put it together, but I was like, oh my gosh, I love this artwork. You know, it was just like all of his original stuff was amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is, it is a wonderful, um, um, art and yeah. I have, I have other things to say about that book that I'll be doing as a follow-up post. Um, but I do really like his art. Yeah. 
Nice. He's so talented. So talented. Also, can I just call out that you got to see original art? Come on. I know. <laughs> and, and, and to get to see like Frenet's original paintings. Oh, for you know, yours I mean, because they're these big paintings, right? And they're like, oh, do you want to see them? I'm like, heck yeah, I do. You know, because I mean, you get like these scanned things, you know, printouts. I was like, yeah, I want to see, you know, the original paintings. That's I mean, cool. so that was amazing to me. Like this whole process of putting a book out into the world has been extremely educational. It's different. I just from... had no idea, like all the stuff that goes into everything. And I'm more an awe visual artist than I ever was before. We're, we're, our conversation is aging up readers and we're getting to that place where like nobody wants to see the original manuscript that's not fun to look at right. <laughs> the original art's so fun to look at I don't want to uh, see your book without it like formatted for a page of a like I don't want to see that just a stack of papers right. uh, picture books magic oh my goodness yeah. oh, yeah, you yeah. know as as somebody who studies children's books so I'm not a I'm not a writer I'm a critic and I a scholar I've been to many of the archives where um, original art is stored, and mm. uh, and I ask, Can, bring this to me. Oh, <laughs> and and yeah. the, this happens to be something that um, Maurice Sendak or oh, Sid Hoff wow. or these guys created because they've created a lot of stereotypes. You know, they, yeah. they yep. And and sometimes and you see, I saw, at the De Grumman, I think I saw a Columbus book that had stereotypical Indians, and they had feathers on the backs of their heads but the artists had used like not white out but something like white out to like take out the feathers and I thought boy I wish there was some transcript to tell me why this person did this 40 years mm. ago yeah yeah got it. Oh, that's yeah. interesting to be able to study the, the art like that so I'm mm -hmm. watching our time our time is flying I know this this okay. happens when we talk about books is it possible that as we're as you're going through the I know you've got a lot to share, and I, I want to make sure we get to include it all. Could we maybe tighten up the synopsis to just a sentence or two, just a little bite mm -hmm. on these books? That way I make sure we, we do get to cover all of these readers, because we, we do want to go all the way up to those YA books that, that you have. Um, but I want to make sure that we also honor uh, the, the time that we have together. Would that be okay if we just um, speed up just a little bit? We'll yes. try. <laughs> <laughs> that said, three hours later, I'm still going to be here going, tell me more books. <laughs> well, let me let me talk then about um, Roy Boney, who is a, a mm -hmm. citizen of the Cherokee Nation, an essay called Tell It Your Way in We Rise, We Resist, We Raise Our Voices, the, the anthology by Wade and Cheryl Hudson. Um, he talks about how when he was a kid growing up in a house that spoke Cherokee and being someone who liked to draw and people in school were telling him, you should draw. And they wanted him to draw like, TV Indian Western kind of things. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, so his essay is tell it your own way and kind of like draw it your own way too. So his, the art that goes with this essay has, um, is called Simcoya, um, a play on Sequoia and the Simpsons because he's, he's funny. Roy's funny. And so he's made a piece of art that has both Sequoia, who developed the Cherokee syllabary, and um, one of the Simpsons. Great. And that page, we just uh, finished off our mock um, Credit Scott King Award at my school. And as my students, that was one of the books we were considering. And as they were leafing through all of the pages, that page spoke so loudly to my students immediately. That was, an uh, what would be the word, like iconography. They recognized it immediately. Yeah. And threw them into reading that. And I thought that 
That is powerful. All the different ways that that book um, draws readers in, and that was a very effective way as well. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Go, Tracy. Go, Tracy. Okay, so I have two for middle grade, and I'll go quickly. The first one is When a Ghost Talks, Listen by Tim Tingle. So this is his follow-up to the award-winning um, How I Became a Ghost. It's a great historical fiction about Choctaw people during the removal, and, and it's told through Isaac, who is a boy that is killed um, during the removal. But it really it talks about the Choctaw leader, Pushmataha, and I think it's a nice entree for students, again, a historical fiction, but they learn about, you know, that not all Native people fought against, you know, folks. I mean, like, in this case, Pushmataha was friends with General Andrew Jackson. He fought, you know, against the British with him in the Battle of New Orleans. And, uh, but ultimately, he's betrayed by later President Jackson. And, you know, because obviously the, the tribes are removed and... um it talks about him going to D.C. and um, ultimately uh, dying there. And in my mind, he's killed by, by what happens there, you know. And so anyway, it's fast paced. I think young readers will enjoy it. Um, and it just it again, it brings to light th- this historical occurrences. But it, it in a way that, again, readers aren't, aren't going to have presented to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just not going to show up in the history books and uh, you're not going to know all of those details. I mean, literally it's like a paragraph of, okay, white people wanted land. Native people were moved West. You know, a lot of people died. I mean, like that's kind of the, the long and short of it. And so I think that Tim um, in using this young narrator opens the story up and you get, you get more out of it. Um, and so I really like that. And then uh, the other one is the Unicorn Rescue Society. So this is a series that Adam Gidwitz has <laughs> written. And the third book is uh, he partners with people to write these things. And so this third one is called Sasquatch and the Muckle Shoot. And he writes it with uh, Joseph Bruchak. And it's illustrated by, I want to say it's Hatem Ali, I think, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. I'm hoping. Okay. Um, but it's set in the Pacific Northwest. The Muckle Shoot is uh, a native nation. It's set in their territory. It's like southeast of Seattle. And, you know, it gives readers not only this intro to, like, sovereignty of Native nations um, and and the culture, but then, you know, a very contemporary issue, which is, you know, what happens when corporations are coming in and trying to do things on, you know, traditional areas, um, Native lands, et cetera. In this case, it's logging because timber is the big you know, resource up in that area. And how does that impact wildlife? You know, um, is Sasquatch real uh, for many native tribes, including my own? <laughs> there are people that, you know, don't see that as a, you know, Bigfoot or Sasquatch or yet, you know, yet. I mean, there's these stories, you know, around the world. It's like, um, again, yeah, there's a whole thing there. But it, the thing that I loved about it was it's presenting all these different things but it's, it's a quick read. It's funny. You know, my son, uh, really enjoyed it. And so it was a nice way to, again, bring in contemporary native culture, um, in an adventure story. And, uh, but it deals with things that like in my previous life (laughs) as an attorney and looking at, you know, 
native sovereignty and rights and things that it's like, hey, I can say, yeah, you know, mom used to, you know, do work around this and, and think about, you know, these kind of things. And so it was a nice way for us to kind of talk about that because that's, you know, before he entered the picture that I did a lot of those things. So uh, I liked the fact that it's it's educating students about the here and now, but it's still a fun book and, uh, and like I say, fast-paced read and everything. I love so. that you have that connection. Mom did this. <laughs> I love the audiobook of that as well. It's available in audio. It's fantastic. Mm, that's yeah, good to know. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and they just did uh, school visits out there. So, which that, that was cool, you know, that they, again, you got to take the book out there first, you know, and, um, go to the uncle shoot schools and present it to the students. It's great to see that happening. Great. To, I hope that's yeah. a, something that publishers continue to, to center. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Tracy was, was kind of ending up there talking a little bit about her own experience and, and, and career as a lawyer or in, and being a student in of the law. And that's a big theme in the book that I want to talk about next, which is Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Lydic-Smith. She's yeah. Muskogee. Her book is published by Candlewick, Candlewick. And I have like 20 different ways that I can talk about this book. But, because, <laughs> but I can't because we don't have time. But, um, so, Lou, so she's only going to give you 19. <laughs> <laughs> Lou is the main character in this book. She's a senior in high school. They live in a suburb. And throughout, we have many ways in which Cynthia Lydic-Smith is pushing back on stereotypes. Uh, people don't realize that Lou is Native because she doesn't have those markers that people associate with Native people, which are glossy black hair and darker skin and high cheekbones. That's damaging to us because it doesn't matter what you look like. What matters is your citizenship in a nation. So that part of the story is very interesting. But her mom, this is where I tag on to what Tracy just said, Lou's mom is in law school. And she's um, in law school, quote unquote, this is from the story, to defend tribal sovereignty and to keep American Indian children in American Indian families and communities where we belong. So we have this ICWA, Indian Child Welfare Act, theme that, that is thread- threaded through there as well. Really important things. But the one that I think that, that most people who are not Native are going to be um, caught by or caught up by is that in this story, the high school is doing a production of the wizard of oz and lou's little brother is is has tried out to be the tin man and he's going to find out that the wizard of oz was written by one of the most racist people on earth um l frank Baum, who wrote editorials in the aberdeen saturday pioneer where he said that we should uh, that americans should just kill off all the native people so the she she quotes from the from the Saturday Pioneer twice in the book. The, the, so Baum's words are right there in the book, and people will be surprised by that. But I'm I'm very glad to see that. And it also brings up the whole idea of what do we do as as people who appreciate and want art, but we suddenly find out that the person that created the art was a racist. What do we do with that? And that's also part of the story that you have in Hearts Unbroken. Wow! Ooh, can't wait. I have it. Yeah. I have it on my, you know, I have that. I, I think I have another book that you're about to talk about. So I'm going to hold off. But there's another book, Debbie, that you told me to read a, a, a YA earlier this year um, that I've had sitting on my desk that I've, I've, I've started into. It's so hard. Well, now we're approaching winter break. So I, I finally have my time to read. But uh, during the school year, it's so hard to get to. But knowing how people are talking about Cynthia's book is so exciting. I heard her talk about it herself on, uh, on I think it was on the Yarn podcast or something. 
But, um, ooh, to hear other people talk about it, so good. <laughs> good, 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 good. Tracy, do you have, do you have, do you have any others? Yeah, I have a YA. Uh, this let's do is it. the only YA that I got done this year. Okay, let's do <laughs> it. Because I, I don't read a, a ton of it, but uh, Give Me Some Truth by That's Eric Gansworth. <laughs> <laughs> and And this one, um, you know, it's 400 pages, but, uh, and it's intense, like, world building the characters everything I, I eric pulled me into you know the lives of carson maggie and lewis these three teens on the tuscarora indian reservation in in what is now upstate western new york and um i felt like after i read this novel like i could draw a map of the entire area and like write out where everyone lived like i could Whoa. see this world so easily in my mind and i rarely when I read longer works like this, I rarely am talking to the characters. Like the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't go over there. Why are you, wh what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> I mean this, this whole time I'm having this conversation, like I'm really, I was just so invested and I just appreciated that I was immediately transported to this place. And it, it happens in, you know, like Memorial day, the book happens between Memorial day, 1980 and December 8th, the night that John Lennon, you know, is killed. And so um, it, it just, like I say, I, I read the thing in less than 48 hours. And, and it's over 400 pages. And it was just, uh, it just enveloped me. I, I really can't say enough about, you know, like, if I think kids will discover, will learn, will experience so much in being taken on that journey. And it just, it was one of those things that I read and I thought, oh, wow. Well, you know what? I'm, I, I, can, I can easily come back to Cynthia's book, Hearts Unbroken, because I think it's the first time that I have seen a book in which a Native writer talks about another Native writer's book. In, mm -hmm. in Cynthia's book, yeah. she talks about Eric's previous book. Um, one of the, the librarian buys a copy for Lou's little brother, um, if I ever get out of here. So it makes an appearance in there. And I was thrilled oh. by that, too, because mm -hmm. we have we have tons of books where writers talk about Little House on the Prairie, the racist Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> but having books that um, lift other Native writers is a treasure. So I'm really happy with that, too. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I should say that. So give me some truth is the second book. Um, if I ever get out of here is the first book. And then there's a third book. And if you read uh, Lamar Giles Fresh Ink anthology that was published, he edited this summer. Yeah. There is a chapter in there by Eric and that is coming out of the third book. So if you want a teaser for book three, um, read Eric's in there um, because it's these same characters. Ooh, that is an awesome book talk, by the way. That was good. That was real good. Wow. Um, okay, Debbie, did you did you have any more books to share? <laughs> I I can point to one that I think te teachers should have. Okay, it's let's called, do that. Okay, New Poets of Native Nations. It's edited mm -hmm. by Hyde Erdrich. It's not meant for the uh, teen market, but it's absolutely one of those that I would hand to a teacher because there are many poems in there that they can use in, in the classroom, including four by Eric Gansworth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's it. That's all I'll say. Tell me the name <laughs> yeah. again. New Poets. What is it called? 
New Poets of Native Nations. Of Native Nations. Wonderful. I would definitely concur with that. I feel so blessed to have sat here and heard these wonderful book talks and the the affirming you all shared of of seeing yourselves and your experiences in these stories and and the importance of 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 the windows and mirrors of of these opportunities of reading these books uh was just wonderful thank you both so much for coming on and sharing and for making my tbr pile much much higher (laughs) good (laughs) yes i was gonna say happy to do it yeah and you are a voice you are uh an important person to me and i think to native writers because you are really trying to push our books into uh wider spaces and i'm so grateful for that and again it just Uh, comes back to you both just keep talking about the books i follow your lead i follow your um book talks your excitement and it 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 just is it's just so contagious and so wonderful and i i I look to you so we'll we'll just keep doing this together i suppose all right we've got more in 2019 so it's it's, going to be a good year for um especially middle grade uh We've got, we got a lot of good middle grade, I think, coming this next year. All right. Native well, books. Then so. here's to another Exciting. great year of amazing books. There you go. All righty. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Lara, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep 
a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.